Hi, my name is Chris, and welcome to episode three of the Real Recognize Real podcast. The Golden Globes nominations came out earlier this week, and certain sections of film Twitter lost their collective minds. The Hollywood Foreign Press Association neglected to nominate a single woman in either the Best Director category or the Best Screenplay category. And then they decided to nominate Todd Phillips for Best Director. This is ludicrous on both points. There have been several films directed by women and several screenplays written by women that are more than deserving of awards consideration. I'm thinking about Honey Boy, directed by Alma Harrell, who rightfully called out the Golden Globes for their lack of gender diversity. Uh, I'm thinking about Lulu Wong for The Farewell, or Matty Diop for Atlantics, or Greta Gerwig for Little Women. There's more than enough filmmaking done by women this year to nominate just one in those 10 slots. And the Globes just decided not to. This outrage is justified, but it should be tempered by the idea that the Globes shouldn't matter as much as they do. I originally said that they don't matter, but uh, I felt a little called out by a podcast called Mike, Mike, and Oscar, which I love. Uh, But in an episode earlier this week, they were talking about pundits who uh, said the Globes don't matter, and I happened to tweet that phrase directly at them, so I think they had me in mind when they were talking about that. So let me adjust my take and say the Globes shouldn't matter as much as they do. The Globes are just another critic show, and they're a particularly bad one at that. Critic shows and critic awards are designed to sway the conversation, not predict it. They are designed to put films and performances and whatever in front of the Academy and say, this is what you should be paying attention to when it comes time to nominate and select a winner. They're designed to almost cheerlead for certain things because... They're early enough that, you know, you're looking at the SAG Awards. You might be looking at Critic Circle Awards and say, hey, this is something that a lot of people like. I might want to check it out or something like that. And obviously, Oscar campaigns are a big part of this, too. But Critic Circle Awards can really provide a boost to campaigns, but they can't just put it over the top. Critic Circle Awards are kind of analogous to early state polling in presidential elections, like the stuff that's going on right now in Iowa and New Hampshire. Voters in Iowa and New Hampshire are still several months off from voting in their elections, but the polling that's going on right now is designed to influence which candidates people vote for when they actually vote. They're designed to put candidates in the front of people's minds when they actually do vote. So they do have influence, but the Globes in particular have far more influence than they deserve because they are the most widely seen and widely read about critic show. The HFPA 
is one of the shadiest organizations I have ever seen. It's about 90 people, and all the Golden Globes really are are this massive open bar in Hollywood, and the HFPA will just nominate people and nominate films just so they can come to the ceremony, just so they get seen at the ceremony and pump up the entertainment value of what would otherwise be just another Critics Awards. And they are easily swayed by money and just star power. So you get stuff like The Tourist getting nominated for Best Comedy or Musical, which I, I, I don't get why this category exists. And frankly, it's one of the reasons why I think the Globes matter far too much. And there's, there's even another nationally televised Critics Award Ceremony that is sometimes even better at predicting and swaying the Oscar conversation. And that is the Critics' Choice Awards, which also came out with their nominations fairly recently. The difference between the Critics' Choice Awards and the Golden Globes is, it's kind of nitpicky. The Critics' Choice Awards is a little less shady. There's a slightly bigger voting body, and they're actually a lot more populist in terms of what they pick, and the categories have just more slots. The categories at the Critics' Choice Awards each have seven slots instead of the normal five, and Best Picture has ten. So you get, if you're on the fringe for the category, you're probably getting a Critics' Choice nomination, which can be a boost to an Oscar campaign, especially if you win. And the Critics' Choice Awards can actually be a lot more predictive than than the Golden Globes in some cases since since 2009 which which was the first year that that the Critics Choice Awards were televised they've actually predicted the best picture winner more times than the Golden Globes even though the Golden Globes have twice as many best picture awards to give out so the Critics Choice Award it's, it's almost something that's more worth paying attention to in terms of Best Picture than the Golden Globes to a certain extent. But obviously, the Golden Globes have, they have more star power. They have, they have the TV deal. They have people talking about it on Twitter. People don't talk about the Critics' Choice Awards on Twitter. It's, it's not the social media sensation that the Golden Globes are. But at the end of the day, the Golden Globes are just a critic show. They they shouldn't matter as much as they do, and especially this week, I think that put in stark contrast how much the Golden Globes matter because we we are seeing the Guild Awards start to start to trickle out. In particular, the Screen Actor Guild Awards and the Editing Guild Awards, both of which are actually rather predictive in terms of what's going to win Best Picture and Acting and Editing. So. We're going to run those down a little bit, starting with the Screen Actors Guild Awards, otherwise known as the SAGs. It's voted on by about 2,500 people every year. It sort of rotates between people in the Screen Actors Guild, just because the Screen Actors Guild is massive. So you're looking at a body that is sort of esoteric, I guess. Sometimes it makes weird choices and... It doesn't always match up with the Oscars, but 
every year there's usually one or two nominations per category that just whiff at the Oscars. Most of the time, they're pretty predictive in terms of who's going to get a nomination, who's going to get a win, but sometimes they just whiff. The SAG Awards are limited to Best Actor, Best Actress, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress, and Outstanding Performance by a Cast in a Motion Picture, which is their Best Picture equivalent. And the nominees this year are, for Best Actor, Christian Bale in Ford v. Ferrari, Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver in Marriage Story, Taron Egerton in Rocketman, and Joaquin Phoenix in Joker. For Best Actress, Cynthia Erivo in Harriet, Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story, Lupita Nyong'o in Us, Charlize Theron in Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger in Judy. For Supporting Actor, Jamie Foxx in Just Mercy, Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Al Pacino and Joe Pesci for The Irishman, and Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. For Supporting Actress, Laura Dern in Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson in Jojo Rabbit, Nicole Kidman and Margot Robbie for Bombshell, and Jennifer Lopez in Hustlers for Outstanding Performance by a Cast, Bombshell, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Oh boy. Winners and losers, just overall. The big winner to me is Parasite. This was something I didn't see coming. This was not something a lot of people saw coming. Because in the film Twitter, in the Oscar punditry world, the acting nominations for Parasite were a big question. Parasite was not getting a lot of acting nominations. It was racking up Best Picture wins at Critics Awards. It was racking up Best Director. It was getting some technical wins. But it was just... It was whiffing on acting nominations. And for this to... For Parasite to get outstanding performance by a cast, just the nomination... Forget about the win for a moment. Just the nomination. Oh, man. That, to me, that makes it a lock for Best Picture. At least the nomination. Because that that demonstrates that there's a little bit of support from the acting branch of the Academy, which is the biggest branch in the Academy and can often drive a film to a win in Best Picture. The second biggest winner here, to me, is Cynthia Erivo for Harriet. Harriet's not that good, but she's pretty good in it, and she's sort of been on the cusp of the Best Actress race. But to me... Now this puts her in that fourth slot. Scarlett Johansson was going to make it in for Marriage Story. Renee Zellweger was going to make it in for Judy. She's probably going to win. And Charlize Theron was going to make it in for Bobshell. But now you've got Cynthia Erivo racking up critics nominations, appearing at SAG. Now she's more of a threat than we originally thought after Harriet opened to... <laughs> Kinda eh reception. Another big winner here is Lupita Nyong'o. She sort of fell by the wayside throughout the year just because Us came out so early. It came out in late March. Her performance was generally considered to be great, but Us came out so early that she had to sort of wait for other actresses to rise and fall. And now at the end of the year, as those actresses have risen and fallen out of the conversation, she's sort of left standing here. And she is definitely in the Best Actress conversation for at least a nomination. I don't think she's going to win. There's definitely the big three of Zellweger, Theron, and Johansson standing in her way. 
but that dual performance was generally considered to be one of the best parts of us. So she is definitely in the conversation for a nomination. And on the leading actor side, you've got Taron Egerton and Christian Bale being the the big surprises here. Taron Egerton's been he wants he wants the nomination. He wants it. He has been out there for critics and out there for for the guilds. He has been glad handing and he's been really campaigning hard. So him getting a guild nomination here is huge because it could be a sign that his it could be a sign that his work is paying off to an extent. And Christian Bale is sort of the opposite of that. He doesn't campaign that much, but he's a big enough name that the performance, which is really good, carries it by itself. So he and Taron Egerton are kind of the two that I think are going to be on the outs on Oscar morning. But once again, like Egerton, it's a big boost to his chances. And the second film that really won was Bombshell. Four nominations, the most of any film this year for leading actress, two for supporting actress, and one for outstanding cast. This puts it in the conversation for Best Picture. We knew Charlize Theron was going to make it in for Best Actress. We knew either Robbie or Kinman was going to make it in for Supporting Actress, but this outstanding cast nomination is big for its chances at a Best Picture nomination. It's sort of been like that 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th film in the conversation. It's it's the bubble film this year, in my opinion. And the SAG Awards, they might have made this film's chances at a nomination. There are a couple really big losers this year, though. The first is Little Women. Completely shut out. No nominations whatsoever. Sir Ronan's missing. Florence Pugh is missing. No nomination and outstanding cast. Just nothing. This might spell doom for its Oscar chances, unfortunately, at, at Best Picture or maybe even Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress. You gotta get the support of the Actors Branch in order to do anything at the Oscars, at least with the bigger awards, with obviously the Acting Awards and Best Picture. But... Little Women, it, it's just not, at the very most, it's on life support right now. And the same can be said for The Farewell. You might see Aquafina get lead actress or Zhao Shu Sen get supporting actress, but right now it's just kind of on the outside looking in. So it's, and the, the Farewell is a wonderful film. It's such a great script, such great performances. To me, it deserved an outstanding cast nomination. It's one of the five best casts overall of the year to me. But SAG obviously doesn't agree, and this just is a huge blow to its chances. The same can be said for Waves and Richard Jewell. Waves is dead. It's not happening. It came into the festival season with a lot of hype and a lot of hope and... You know, there was a shot, it had a shot at Best Picture, had a shot at Best Director for Trey Edward Schultz, Taylor Russell for Best Supporting Actress. That's that. That's gone. And same thing with Richard Jewell. Richard Jewell has a fantastic cast, and I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about Richard Jewell a little later in the podcast, but uh, fantastic cast. Kathy Bates is really the only one with a shot 
at this point after it just completely wiped its sag. She might get in for supporting actress. That's kind of a weak field this year. But other than that, it, it this film was dead. Paul Walter Hauser didn't make it in for best actor, even though he completely deserved it. Sam Rockwell didn't make it in for supporting actor, even though he completely deserved it. I'm going to be honest, just to sort of give you a preview of my broader thoughts on the film, kind of hated it, but the cast is the best part of the film, and they definitely, they definitely deserved some recognition, and they didn't get it. The big question mark is Robert De Niro and the Irishman. He's been sort of the the big question mark. He's he has been the he's been the one that everybody sort of assumes is going to get in, but as the Irishman has gone further and further away from release. He's been passed over for other actors and other performances for nominations. I still think he's going to be the one actor this year that gets into Best Actor without a SAG nomination. His Oscar chances are definitely a little less, and I definitely think this is I definitely think this is the end of his chances to win. But he could definitely still make a nomination, but this just throws his chances up in the air. And at this point, we'll see on Oscar morning. The other Guild nominations that dropped this week are arguably just as, if not more important, to the Best Picture race as SAG. Uh, and that's the American Cinema Editor's Eddie Awards. It's definitely a lower profile award ceremony, but the interesting thing about the editing award especially at the Oscars, is a film has not won the Best Picture Oscar without a Best Film Editing nomination since the King's Speech. It's been about 10 years. So that has become an even bigger harbinger for the Best Picture winner than even the Best Director Award. The Best Director Award used to be the harbinger at the end of the night. You knew that the Best Director Award was going to the director of the film that was going to win Best Picture. Over the last 10 years, that has increasingly become not so much guarantee. Last year, we saw Alfonso Cuaron win for Roma and Green Book win Best Picture. We've seen Damien Chazelle win Best Director for La La Land and Moonlight win Best Picture and Alejandro Giannaritu win for The Revenant and Spotlight win Best Picture. And you could, you could go on. But... Editing, editing has been the one. Editing has been the one to nail it. Even at the Eddies, the eventual Best Picture winner has been in the mix there as well. The Eddies used to have one award, but now they've split it into two. That split happened in 2000. Since 2000, the Eddies have nominated the, the eventual Best Picture winner all but once. And that was in 2015, the year that Spotlight won. I love Spotlight. The editing is utilitarian. Uh, so it definitely wasn't something that was going to get a editing award. It's not flashy. It's not notable. But it was it was serviceable. It was utilitarian. It did its job. Now, the Eddie Awards this year are really interesting. Best Edited Feature Film Drama 
Ford v. Ferrari, The Irishman, Joker, Marriage Story, Parasite, Best Edited Feature Film Comedy, Dolomite Is My Name, The Farewell, Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Your Best Picture winner is probably in there. It's one of those 10. Big, big boost to chances for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, and The Irishman. Lesser to Marriage Story, Jojo Rabbit, Ford v. Ferrari, maybe The Farewell. And so, the Best Picture winner doesn't always win the Eddie, but it's always nominated in here somewhere. So, you definitely want to be looking here for the films that are going to be nominated for Best Film Editing at the Oscars, and you want to be looking at those films to search for what's going to be winning Best Picture. But we need to just step back. We're early. We don't have the Director's Guild. We don't have the Producer's Guild, which is an even better predictor than the Eddies or the Golden Globes or SAG. We don't have Writer's Guild. We don't have many of the other smaller guilds. So we need to step back. We can't call it yet. We can definitely read the tea leaves and see ways certain categories are going, but we're two, three months out from the awards. Wind could shift. As for what I saw and reviewed this week, on Monday I put out my marriage story review, and I'll put it in the show notes. It's there if you want to read it. Okay, further thoughts on the film. I don't get why this didn't get a SAG nomination for Outstanding Cast. It got Supporting Actress, got Best Actress, got Best Actor. And a lot of the conversation around that has been, well, it's a two-hander between Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver. And that is just, that idea blows my mind. Because Laura Dern and Ray Liotta and Merritt Weaver and Laura Haggerty are just so integral. And honestly, I'm going to remember their performances more than I will Adam Driver's or Scarlett Johansson's. Adam Driver's performance... The best part of that was introducing me to the musical company. Laura Dern's performance or Merritt Weaver's performance, I'm going to remember those more for their specific performances because they are that good. They are just amazing. It's one of the best supporting performances of the decade. It's one of my favorite I've ever seen. It is just amazing, and I can't talk about it enough. Tuesday, I put out I Lost My Body, which... I'm not going to talk about too much because I feel like I put my thoughts down well enough in the review. Once again, it'll be in the show notes. But I want Jeremy Clayfin and the rest of that team to do an entirely wordless animated film. Because they're incredible at creating mood and they are incredible at atmosphere and pacing. And I almost want it to be a be a wordless horror film as much as that might seem odd because the best parts were the like the body horror parts where they treated the severed hand as this horrific thing or treated the world around it as this massive threat that threatened the severed hand's existence those parts were the best parts of the film and i want to see more of that from that studio Speaking of studios I want to see more of, the studio in Madrid that made Klaus. Please, more hand-drawn animation. It's 
an absolutely beautiful film. It's just, I, I, I want more of it. It's especially Elva, the school teacher voiced by Rashida Jones. She is one of the best drawn characters in a long time, especially in terms of hand-drawn animation. She is such a beautiful character. And the way they treat the lighting in this film, especially off of her, is just something else. There are scenes where, there's a scene where she's accosting uh, Jesper, the main character, with a knife. And the way the lighting bounces off the knife and onto her hair and like back onto Jesper, it just, it's just so good. It just, oh my god, this, this team is so talented and I'm just so excited to see more from them and I just hope they get a good script and hope to God they can put out just a masterpiece because this studio is capable of it. This studio is capable of putting out a hand-drawn animated film convinces studios that hand-drawn animation is worth it, that it's worth putting millions of dollars into a theatrical release of a hand-drawn animated film. They're capable of it. I want to see that happen. What I don't want to see happen is another Playmobil the movie. This movie is terrible. Don't see it. That's it. Now, I didn't put up a review on Friday because I went to go see Richard Jewell. This movie has arguably the best cast of the year. Everything else around the movie is bad. I am ready for Paul Walter Hauser as a leading man with better material. I want Sam Rockwell and Paul Walter Hauser to, to appear in movies together again. I want Olivia Wilde to have better material because she knocks the material she has out of the park, even though she and John Hamm are treated like... Saturday morning cartoon arch-villains who may as well have been twirling their mustaches the entire film, but this cast is just amazing, and I'm actually kind of sad it got nothing at the Screen Actors Guild Awards because this cast carries the film, and they deserved recognition for it, as I said. The fact that, it, the fact that this film will not get the acting recognition it deserves is kind of a travesty. And that's that.